Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I am Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. We are back after a mild hiatus. Although, considering how well we'd been doing up until that point, I think we can give ourselves a bit of slack. We got five months in a row, Dylan. Almost on time. We did. (laughs) And we did have six. Uh, Some, I want to say technical issues, but it was just our lack of focus and experience has led to our Beer of the Year podcast going down. It's a shame because it was a pretty good one. Um, But we will have that again for you this year when the time comes and we'll no doubt be better for the run. Probably ironed out some format yeah, issues and, and yeah. happy with it. So so we're basically just, just a quick check-in and Angus has put up a sort of full talk about what's happening on the website, where we've been and what's been going on. And yeah, now we're back and hopefully back on a regular schedule. Hopefully. It shouldn't be too difficult, I imagine. Um and with that said, we can pretty much just get to your usually scheduled programming with some news. So we'll just jump right into it as we always do. Bolter have released Hazy, their latest limited release. Uh, I think we all kind of assumed it would be a Hazy IPA when they sort of said, you know, they were saying things like, you know, it's not clear what this will be and yeah. a bit of emphasis on the fact that, yeah, if you were looking, you could tell and also craft beer trends would dictate that was the logical step it was the obvious thing for them to do wasn't it yeah and i haven't had it i assume it's good yeah i've had it it's good yeah but the main reason why i bring it up is just it is the social media saturation any craft beer fan so probably anyone listening will have noticed it's just insane the amount of saturation that they got from this without necessarily pushing it super hard uh it is amazing isn't it how much penetration they get compared to almost anyone else i can't mm. think of an australian brewery who gets more social media penetration than they do yeah no and i'm even thinking of breweries in their prime like stone and wood and stuff with the you know doing their gatherer and harvester and stuff like it's there was nowhere near that no i think it's just being on trend and being the trend e-brewery kind of thing and it's just yeah kind of fascinating how it's all happened and I guess, as craft beer goes, on to the next one. Exactly. And on to the next piece of news. It's one from the rumour files. Speaking of hype, uh, Modus have reportedly, again, rumour, been thinking about moving to smaller cans due to the perception and possible, I'm not sure if it's sales related, uh, that perception that their beers are essentially overpriced in the big cans. And they think moving to small cans may help. I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I don't know if paying ten dollars for a three thirty is going to be any better than paying fifteen for five hundred. But no, I, they sort of fall into that same issue that Dayton have that they're a bit just that little bit more expensive than anyone else. Much like Dayton, the beers are good. They have a decent region for charging the amounts they do. Yeah, they uh, use a lot of hops, like a lot of hops. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, it's not. It's sort of a difficult thing because most of it's probably excise and stuff, realistically. Like, it's probably a lot of it's tax and it's, it is a tricky thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, if any listeners have any thoughts, we'd be interested. I mean, I am actually kind of against it in theory. I don't think I would buy more. I reckon I'd be more inclined to buy the one-offs. Uh, the big ones, yeah, yeah. probably. Because I haven't bought Future Factory, whatever we're up to. No, neither. But I guess the thing is with the Modus is usually if it's good... 
You kind of want 500 mils of it. Well, I'd be disappointed if, if I couldn't get a 500 mil former tenant. Yes, that's the thing. Like, and you know, 500 mil of their pale is perfect, kind of for me. Like, if such a good pale, it's so underrated. Yeah, but probably a story for another time. But again, you know, you heard it here, probably third or fourth, realistically, by the time <laughs> by the time we get this out. Yeah, but you know, just one to keep in mind and an interesting point in terms of craft beer pricing and possibly something we'll discuss more in the future in a more broad sense next up another release uh pirate life have released a collaboration with lion burners whiskey retailing at approximately 40 dollars australian it depends where you go um i've seen it for more i've seen it for less uh so with yeah lion burners whiskey out of western australia don't really know them neither do i um but yeah, I mean, it's a big sort of, it's a pretty box. It's a pretty 750ml bottle of Imperial Stout. Yep. Uh, and it's just, an, I guess, an interesting little release that's worth noting and good to see after them being bought out, I guess. Do Maybe CUB are learning some lessons. Yeah, do we know if it was already in the pipeline before the buyout? May well have been. Yeah. But they've still got to get it to market. Yeah. And I imagine that, I mean, the sales have been good from both what I've seen and what I've heard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it hopefully bodes well. I mean, I would love Pirate Life to be able to have a platform like Mountain Goat did with their barrel breeds and crossbreeds, which yeah. is like, you know, they're such high-quality beers just for their brewers just to show off a bit because there's... I haven't seen a Mountain Goat rare breed for a while. No, I know that you mentioned it. Yeah. Legend of Goat was the last one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm sure they're waiting. Mean, I'm sure there's more on the way. Yeah. No, they've, they've just released Goat Lager and now they're never making limited releases again. <laughs> Not so that they're cancelling uh, their payload and everything else. Um, so just quickly, you'll be bored to death of this, but just a quick Hottest 100 uh, rundown just because we missed it. So 155,000 votes in Australia this year. Bolsa first, Stone and Wood Pacific second. Bent Spoke Crankshaft was third. Same top three as last year. Same oh, was order. it? Exact same? Okay. Yep. Um, three good beers. Yep. All people love to talk shit about two of them. Maybe just one, but probably oh, two. two, yeah. Um, Crankshaft is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, but more interesting to me than the top three was the local breweries doing so well. We've got One Mile from Darwin, Your Mates and Ten Toes, Sunshine Coast, and Welder's Dog from regional New South Wales, and they just killed it. Uh, didn't one of them finish, like, one? was it Ten Toes' beer? Or they finished obscenely high. Like, Your Mates. I Your think Mates, 13, yeah. 13, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and One Mile, I feel like, had, like, four beers. Yep. And... It's ama- It shows what sort of uh, engaging your consumer base can do. And it's good. Oh, it's great. I think it's awesome to see representation from perhaps slightly biased because I grew up in Darwin <laughs> and the Sunshine Coast, but I think it's great. Um, and certainly more interesting than having 150 lashes on there or whatever. I'm sure it wasn't there, but you know... The, the uh, the thoughts behind it. Um, I Craft guess breweries are exploding in Darwin at the moment. I saw today there's another new one opening. That's not Beaver or Beaver. Not Beaver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so shout outs to our fellow brewer, Richo, who uh, is stuck up in Darwin. You'll be okay, mate. Um, and just quickly touch on New Zealand's results as well. Always, I look at New Zealand and I'm a little bit jealous a lot of the time. I'm sure the voting core is far smaller. I also think the voting core is probably from Australia. Yeah, probably a lot of it. Um, top three, Pernicious Weed, Death from Above, both Garage Project, and Supercharger, Panhead. And, you know, realistically, if 
you had the same kind of exposure. I think perhaps the third would be the only one that would get in the top three. I think Garage yeah. Project would feature prominently, but you would expect Garage Easter or Happy Days, Harpy Days to um, be per- more prominent. Pernicious Weed is a big double IPA. Yeah, and DFA is obviously, you know, it's the, the rebranded Jester and Bob. Yeah, and it's not... It's a delicious... They're both fantastic beers. I mean, I think the top, that's a very good top three. Yeah, but they're not... Um, huge popular spears, are they? Probably take that top three over ours. It depends Absolutely. what I was doing, really. I think in an ideal world you would, but we have to remember at the end of the day it is a popular yes. boat. And I think the fact that things like Bolter and Pacifico Ale are winning means that we're converting more drinkers to craft. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. If those beers keep winning... You know, you're getting more and more people coming into the market yep. at that entry level, which will progress on to your big double IPAs. And, and I mean, even Crankshaft at three is good. That is a good IPA. Really good. Um, and that's just a good, solid, straight up and down. Great example of an Australian-American IPA. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's one of the best going, and it's constantly in good condition. And also, you know, Canberra Brewery, reasonable size, not massive. Well, them and Capital both had very good results. Hmm. Again, local engagement. Um, yeah. I don't think our top three is anywhere near as bad as it is made out to be by the... It's an award for cons- consistency, really. Yeah. Distribution and consistency. And it is difficult to argue that in those two categories that you can beat those three beers. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> um... On to perhaps, I don't even know how to segue into this. So, Brew. Um, I sort of remember them as being a weird sort of thing. I think you would see them at Audi and yep. stuff. And um, so they've just had a weird couple of years. They're the weirdest story. It is. It's bizarre. Um, I mean, you know, if we ever do like a failed brewery segment, no doubt we'll visit these guys in a couple of years. Because, so they were forced to hold trading by the ASX because their share price... Uh, went up by about 250% in one day, and they were issued what's called a speeding ticket by the ASX, which is basically saying, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't shoot your share price up like this. What's happening? Um, and, and they've claimed no wrongdoing. Yes, and they've really... They've, they've now complied. That was the update that we got. Oh, really? They've complied with the ASX and told them what happened. We don't know what happened. Mm. ASX do. I don't know if they're the okay. The ASF have ticked it off? Or? No, we haven't heard that yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we've heard ASF complied. Um, so the company, it sort of... I mean, I first heard about this probably, I don't know, I reckon 18 months ago when they were basically going under and they were like, no, we're expanding instead. Then again, we heard about them. They lost $4 million last year and auditors had serious concerns about the ability to profit or even run. And then they double-dived again and they it, went into China. And They've got to be coming up to $20 million in losses plus. Like, it's yeah. just... <sighs> and it's like they're not trying to get this super big brewing talent. They're just making light lagers. It's really weird. And it's almost all for export. Yeah, and it's just... <laughs> it's really strange. Um, I... There's great coverage of this on Australian Brews News. Mm. Um, Matt's... And I should say, this is where I got this Yeah, news Matt's from very into it. Yeah. Um, there's a story there about their deal with China and how they're selling the beer, I think, diluted or concentrated at X litres and they buy some of it back after a certain amount of time and it's just a mess. It's all kind of... Yeah, it's all <laughs> quite fascinating. And... Um, a little bit patronising to China because I always felt like Chinese beer drinkers are kindred spirits because we, I reckon us, our two countries have probably have the most bitter pale lagers in the world. Like, yeah. 
Um, so I always saw China as a, a logical progression, but not... And both of us drink too much of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For different reasons. Mm. Um, it's just, it, it's a strange story and one we'll come back to and we just thought perhaps... Um, Touch on it now. Yeah, because while it's, it's fresh, weird and interesting. So Ogden's Brewery, you wouldn't have heard of them most likely. Nope. Uh, but maybe by the time we get this out. Um, they, have, they don't exist yet, which is the reason that they're not heard of them. But... Mm-hmm. The reason they're interesting is they are opening in the heritage-listed Windsor Hotel in Perth. So the brewer, Damien Bussemaker, has sort of come in, been brought in by the owners of Ogden's um, and the Windsor Hotel, uh, and basically just said, hey, the business is struggling, this is heritage-listed, what can we do, beer-wise? And so he's like, turn into a brew pub. And so that's what they're doing, and he believes this is a model that can help other heritage-listed pubs. We've seen quite a few stories of heritage-listed pubs sort of struggling, going under. It's all, oh, it's very sad. And he believes that uh, brew pubs can create a sense of community, yep. engage with the consumer in a way that perhaps they haven't for a while, and, you know, make themselves a point of difference outside of just being heritage-listed. So the Umundi Brewery opened up last year in the Imperial Hotel, which is a real sort of landmark and of the Sunshine Coast in Umundi. And um reopened because they were a brewery in the eighties or Yeah, 90s. Um I guess it sort of um yeah, reopened um uh, but also sort of becoming a part becoming the, the Imperials community. Yeah, brew yeah. pub kind of thing, which was the interesting thing because the Imperial was struggling. I mean the last time I went to the Imperial, they had Bundy and Coke on tap, and that's how that's how Drury Great. had gotten. <laughs> and this is a lovely old pub on top of a hill in one of the a lovely scenic area. Um, I'm sure everyone from the Sunshine Coast would disagree and say it's a shithole, and it is a pretty shithole. Um, Hopefully, but, craft beer can save it. Yeah, and and it seems to be going well. It's is why it's you know, sort of mention it as well as being another one. And I think it's an interesting point he brings up, and I think it's a good idea. You also think of the Clifton Hill Brew Pub, not necessarily. Heritage listed, but perhaps... A nice big, old pub. Yeah, that's it. And, like, they are sort of pretty famous. They make good beer. Really good beer. Um, and they rotate a lot, and it's well-priced, and it's a reason to go there. A lot of throughput. Like, a lot of... They sell a lot of their beer. Yeah. And it's, it's just a reason to go there. There's so many good old pubs in Melbourne, and it's like... Especially in Fitzroy, Clifton Hill area. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a point of difference. Saturation. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, I, I feel like... Not just us, but, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, well, Clifton's got their beers, you know. We'll go there. Yeah. They're, they're, they might be cheaper, they might just be better, might be more interesting, but it does... I mean, it's sort of a weird news story in a sense, but I think it's an interesting thing just to mull over. I think so. And um, I hope to see more of it. I would really like that. Um, so one for you, Angus. I'll let you take the reins on this because I'm woefully undereducated. Uh, Bridgeport Brewing... Founders of the West Coast IPA, Australian head brewer, I want to say. When... Yeah, Phil Sexton, Yes, I think. who we've spoken about in the past. Um, they are closing. Yeah, they're closing in March. They're one of these very first wave of US craft brewers. I think they're early 80s that they opened their doors for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, credited with the first West Coast IPA. And yeah, they're closing due to, um, probably in part due to people always wanting new beers. Yes, and there was a bit of chat linking these, wasn't there? Because I saw a few articles going around saying, why do craft beer drinkers, you know, we need to appreciate... What, they're doing the... Um... Flagship February. Yes, that's the one. And that, it's actually quite fitting that Bridgeport have closed in Flagship February. I mean, I was hoping um, 
to for us to actually do something about that when I read it first. But um, I'm sure we do our part. We, we appreciate so. the core Rangers. Um, you think? I mean, is there much to say for this other than it's just? I think it's sad. worth mentioning. Oh yeah, bit sad. Yeah. Um, Surprising for you? Did were you surprised? I mean, I don't know Bridgeport. Um, well, we had Bridgeport here for a couple of years, and then they sort of disappeared. I think they pulled back their distribution partly because they weren't selling much. I think of them as similar to Green Flash. Is that what yeah. they're called? Yeah. yeah, I put them in the same kind of category. So do I. Um, Green Flash also possibly scaled back. Not dead, but uh, got bought. Possibly. Yeah, that might be it. Um, it's just never good. I guess never good to see. Originators disappear. No, and we normally uh, we would know more obviously if it was an Australian brewery. But yeah, yeah, I think it's important to mention so we don't lose some of these iconic brands, and not just you know give them some sort of bang, not just a whimper. Say something about it. Yeah, basically, you know, support your local if they're especially if they're struggling and the owners are out front saying, "Please have a beer, please God, have a beer. please have a fucking beer." Um, Next up, Endeavour Brewing really uh, did an equity crowdfunding campaign late last year. It's closed and nearly doubled their minimum fundraising target. Bit of a disingenuous way to put it because they were nowhere near their maximum. Yes. Um, which is sort of... But I also think it's good that they hit their minimum. Um, it's It says... They've got a whole bunch of new capital coming in. They've got new investors on board. It's interesting. It's the, I should say it's the first one that's been completed of its kind in Australia. Like, uh, gone through this similar thing. I know Black Ops were launching theirs. I was about to say, did Black Ops actually complete theirs? I don't think it's think. finished yet. Didn't they hit their target? Yeah, but I don't know if it's actually stopped Yeah, yet. okay. Like, this is the first one that's run its course, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay. Um, at least gone to market and run its yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Endeavour, not as exciting as Black Ops. Um, no, nowhere near. Equity crowdfunding is interesting. Not really something, I mean, I kind of feel like I would want a more... Per- I don't want to be one of like a few hundred people. I would want to have a personal stake. Yeah, yeah, whether that be opening your own or like knowing somebody and talking to them. And But I can understand the appeal to people who have disposable income and interest in craft beer and you know, want to be involved. It's not a get-rich-quick business. <laughs> no, and so, hopefully people realise no, that. Um, it's a good on Endeavour. They do stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember when I last had an Endeavour beer. I'm sure I have had one somewhere. I had, um... I got really annoying because they used to call their stuff vintage golden ale and vintage pale ale. It's like, you don't want a vintage, a hoppy No, beer. you want a fresh, um... Yeah, fresh and... See, as fresh as possible. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tangential. It's the same reason that Coop, it annoys me that Cooper's stuck with their best after thing for session now. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, Cooper's, we love that you do this, but, you know, certain situations call for different things, and when you're hopping something with uh, a fruity hop, then... And we know why you do that as well with your yeast and all yeah. of that stuff that you do, but... Uh... And bottle shops love you for it, because they never have to throw the shit out. Exactly. And, um, but again, yes, um, Endeavour. Going completely off. But yes, Endeavour. Well done. Yeah, well, well done on your crowdfunding. Um, I'll have to try some of your beers soon. I think they have a um, quite an old sort of old school kind of setup in New South Wales. Yeah. From memory. 
Next up on the docket, um, speaking of old breweries in New South Wales, I'm really reaching again. Um, Han have launched a gluten-free fully rice lager. So it's styled after Japanese rice lagers. It is called Han Ultra Crisp. And I, working at a mainstream bottle shop a day or two a week, I have had multiple people come and ask me, is this what Super Dry is called now? And I've had to explain, no, it's a different product that is called Ultra Crisp, which I understand sounds remarkably like Super Dry, and it's very confusing, and it is a stupid name. Anyway, it's a gluten-free beer. Um, It's a Japanese rice lager. We have it in front of us now. Yes, yes, sorry, I should say that. We have a glass of it in front of us right now. Um, And it is... That's weird. It's particularly uninspiring, isn't it? (laughs) Um... First thing that strikes me is the carbonation's odd. It's just soft. The malt's weird. Yeah, because it's rice. Yeah, but no, (laughs) even... I've had rice lager before. No, but you've had good rice lager before, not... It's no Kung Fu from Two Brothers, I'll say that. Not even an Asahi. No. Um, No, it's... But again, um, the more important thing is that Han have made gluten-free. It's light. It's... There is some hop bite there. There is some. There's hops in there. I just... It's strangely savoury and... Got my favourite uh, lion slash AB InBev, which Ooh. is hard. Are they lion? Yes. Yeah, I think they're lion. Their favourite one. 99% sugar free. <laughs> You'd hope so, or else there's something wrong with your fermentation. You're doing something yeah. wrong with your fermentation otherwise. Under 100 calories though, so that's... Yeah, that's something. If you don't like flavour, then... Anyway, um, far away from news, but yes, that is literally all we had to say. We had one of them. They have released a gluten-free beer. It is a thing. If you know it's not a rebrand of Super Dry. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. It's not particularly good. But it is But different. it is what it is. Yeah, and gluten-free, I think. There's a market. Yes. There's definitely a market. Two bays? Yeah, I was going to say, go buy two bays instead. Yeah. Your palate will thank you. Um, next up... Uh, this is just a little thing I found interesting just because, you know, I, I enjoy a bit of analytics and read some of these things. IRI Market Edge released data that said 89% of the growth in craft beer sales in the sector is from eight brands only. Yak Ales, Pirate Life, Stone and Wood, Mountain Goat, Cricketer's Arms, Bolter, Young Henry's, and Gage Roads. And my question to you was going to be, do any of these surprise you in the slightest? Young Henry's, but that's because I have taste buds. And also, I think Young Henry's, are, we are just not the product of the area. They, yeah, I do a, get that. Yeah, they, they've, they've done a... Say what you want about the beer. They've done a wonderful job of engaging their area. And their community. Like, they went after this sort of metal head yeah. and I, I know they do a lot with um, music events and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yes. And that's really what they... They are the festival kind of brewery. Yeah. Like, they are the... Yeah. And I know people love their beer. It just doesn't do it for me in the slightest. <clears throat> yeah. And, um... The other one that's interesting to me is Cricketer's Arms. I have seen a lot of advertising recently. Like Bill Bill advertising. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Um, that lager was always nice. Yeah. It's still good. Yeah. Um, Spearhead seems different. They've changed it to like... They're just calling it Pale Ale now. and Yeah, and the ABV's law. Is it? Yeah, it's like four point. You know, more. I've been given one. I haven't tried it yet. Um, and they... 
I mean, no, it's pretty much the same range, to be honest. I wish I would just can that stuff more. And yeah, um, honestly, the rest of them are pretty much driven down. But I guess yak I'm... makes sense. People buy yak. Pirate life makes sense. Um, Stonewood, obviously. I'm not upset with the list because I like seeing that mountain goat and stuff. Is still some pirate life is still selling and helping the growth. You're getting it into more people's hands through the distribution exactly. networks and. But also the fact contracts. that the growth, the growth is because yeah. of them it means that more people are drinking craft beer, is what I'm reading. Exactly, it's back yeah. to the same thing. And then the last one is Gage Roads, which is interesting. And we've spoken about the remarkable rise of Single Fin. Uh, just as an aside, I didn't put this in as its own bit of news, but um, you know Atomic, the yep. pale? That is being spun off into its I own saw that. brand. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. a weird decision. I'm intrigued, and I want to know what... The discussion at board level was about that. The discussion was that they have the rights to the Perth stadiums and yeah. they wanted to make mid-strength atomic, but they didn't want to differentiate. They didn't want to confuse the core atomic drinkers. So they're like, let's just spin it off. We've got mid-strength atomic, normal atomic, possibly other atomics. Interesting. That's the idea. And also another tidbit in that press release was that Matzo's is doing very well for them. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think maybe... 10th best craft brewery in Australia. Something like yeah, that, which um, is interesting. Their ginger beer is fantastic. Yeah, and like their mango beer was always good as Pretty well. Pretty decent, yeah. Lychee beer is awful. Pale yeah, ale is awful. One of the worst things I've ever drunk. Um, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but. Um, it's kind of, it's one of those things we don't really talk about, kind of like how we try to occasionally talk about cider and stuff. Like ginger beer does have a percentage. I mean, yep. Rusty Yak came out. We didn't talk about that. I didn't know about Rusty Yak. Yeah, you know, well... Ginger Yak. It's just a ginger beer. Yeah. Made by CUB under the Yak Ales imprint. Great. Alcoholic, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, Four Pines make. And uh, I think East Ninth or whatever they're Yeah, called. yeah. That's, I think, their biggest selling beer. Yeah. Um, Lickpia. Yeah. And they're all fine. I mean, Matzo is better than all of them because it actually tastes like ginger and not sugar. But it's um, it's interesting. I would be interested to see... What percentage of the market is ginger beer? Because I would wager it is hovering around five. And I'm talking about craft beer market, not beer market. I reckon market. it's bigger than we think. Yeah. And I think you and I are probably on the top end of where we, of what craft would think it is. Yeah. Um, and this, oh yeah, just solely craft beer. I mean, I would guess about five, but it may even be up to like ten. I think, mm. yeah, Matzo's sell quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's a reason they were bought by an ASX listed company. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually, I should say, it's also good that Gage Road's, good to see Gage Road's on here. I mean, we, I shouldn't say we, but I had the feeling that perhaps splitting from Warwick might be a disaster. I did as well. Yeah, um, but they, to their credit, they have done incredibly well. They had a they plan, are, clearly. Yeah, and they are just far smarter than... All credit to them. Yes, definitely. And like, in all honesty, all credit to them. Yeah. And sincerely. Yeah, that wasn't meant to, to, yeah. to sound insincere. I think, feel like I say all credit to them when I don't mean all credit yeah, to them. But but yeah, but genuinely. Yes, yeah. Um, all credit to the House of Malt opening up in Victoria. I want to follow on from Voyager Craft Malt opening in New South Wales. They actually had their business plan first, uh, House of Malt. So they are a boutique malt house. They're only doing about 500 kilo batches at the moment. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, That's enough tiny. for us, not enough for uh, yep. any brewery of any size. But I just think craft malt is awesome and I think we should probably go get some. And I think, I just think it's cool. I think craft malt is, malt is so important and so underrated. People don't rate malt as an ingredient. You know, people talk about hops, we have had the yeast craze, you know, especially the pike and yeah, yeah. 
all of that recently. Is it quack? Quack? I, I think I've it's heard quack. so many things, yeah. I think I read a Norwegian thing this week that said quack. We'll have to look that up. Malt is underrated, uh, and I think craft malt is a really cool little trend that has been bubbling under and never gets talked about, so let's talk about it for 20 seconds like we just did. Um, and speaking of ingredients, Ellerslie Hop Estate has reopened after devastating bushfires last year, which is just good news. Awesome, yeah. isn't it? Good on I them. saw the hop trees going in. I think they posted a video yesterday when they commissioned the plant again. That's excellent. Yeah. So good. Um, and on also on hops, not on the docket, but uh, Hop Products Australia, I want to say, their two new varieties sold out almost immediately. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and This is also good. It is, it is. New varieties should be embraced and craft malt should be embraced and the finishing of news should be embraced. We'll be back soon. Back, we're back, we're back, we are back. Um, and we have got a scouting report. And... Not the most timely one, but perhaps better for the quality of the podcast that we didn't go there tonight, kind of thing. Um, This was, what, two, three weeks ago? Yep. It was recent. Um, We did a Brunswick double. We went to Foreigner Brewing and Inner North Brewing, both in the wonderful suburb of Brunswick. I think maybe we should start with Inner North. Okay. After you. (laughs) Um, Inner North was not very good. Um, And I don't mean to be... I mean, I don't have to be as diplomatic as Angus owning the blog and stuff and so on, but um, I was incredibly unimpressed. There are so many good breweries in Melbourne. The beer was not very good. The atmosphere was really oppressive, and I didn't really feel comfortable there. Uh, prices weren't great. Um, and, that was expensive. Yeah, and it just I didn't have a great time there, which is kind of hard when you're drinking beer. I agree. Like, I could have really just sort of unenthused vibe from the mm. staff like sort and of walked beer. in and they were talking to each other like it was pretty busy like yeah there were customers to serve and they were talking to each other instead of serving people that, that's beer. fine if you're like warm and stuff when they talk to you like i understand you know working hospitality on a friday night or whatever but it just didn't feel good when there wasn't a lot of like we would you know try to ask them about the beers and there wasn't a lot of information coming back and then the beer wasn't particularly great either. Which didn't help. No, and I mean, that's the thing. You can forgive a lot of sins if the... Uh... If the beer's good. Yeah, and then just the whole experience wasn't great. And um, I don't like saying this kind of stuff. Like, I don't like shitting on breweries and stuff. But honestly, like, there's so much good stuff. Well, we've got, as we're finding out at the moment through the year of local, we've got 160-odd breweries in Victoria. Mm. Um, and they are not in the top 100. I can guarantee that. Yeah, and it's just a um, bit of work, perhaps. Uh, Staff attitude, beer, needs some work. Ambience, pretty much everything. Was pretty busy, in fairness. Yep. But I don't know why. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that, apart from they're probably staying afloat, and that is fine. Maybe we got them on a bad night, but... I just don't know how you get the beer on. Well, we had four beers and none of them were very good. Yeah, none of them blew us away. Um, They were, at best, interesting. I thought the IPA was very flat and had a bunch of single hop IPAs. But, like, me and you usually, like, we see a bunch of single hop IPAs. It's like, oh, awesome, we're going to line them up. Well, we ordered them. We ordered one to start We ordered one and then we're like, no, actually, we're good. And we're like, why have you brewed a multi-single hop IPA? Uh, Anyway. 
On to brighter news, though. Indeed. Uh, Foreigner was fantastic. One of my favourite brewery visits for a long time. Yeah. It was a great little spot, and it helped it was a fantastic day, and... Sun was shining. But it's also the fact that, like, they're kind of, they're so open and, like, sit outside, and the fact that they brew one of the best pills in Victoria, and... Isn't it phenomenal? Yeah. And the rest of their beer was good, too. I mean, um, their pills are, the owner is Czech. Yep, they're yep. all Czech. And um, you can tell when you have the Pilsner. So the guy who developed the recipe worked for Pilsner Urquell for over 20 years. And you can tell. Yeah. Now he has his own. I think he then went and worked for another craft brewery for 10 years. Now he's opening his own craft brewery in the Czech Republic. Like, man can brew Pilsner and that Pilsner was just superb. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, And the rest of their beer was good. Yep. It was. Pale was punchy, um, had a really interesting sort of... Much punchier than I expected. I thought yeah. we're going effectively to a larger brewery, but we... That pale was really... Yeah. Quite had, bright. Had a bit of sting. And um, IPA was okay. Tea leaf IPA was interesting. Yep. Um, we had a dark ale with cherries, barrel aged, a few different things going on there. Had a lot of stuff. Really seemed like a homebrew beer that yeah. really worked. Like a good homebrew. Oh, yeah, you know, it was really, really tasty. Flanders red without the tartness is what I got, um, yeah. which is kind of fascinating flavour profile to extract. And just really warm stuff. They were great. On the outskirts of Brunswick and yeah, a nice place. Yeah, we'll I mean, go back in a heartbeat. Yes, definitely. It's a, it's a bit of a frustrating trek on a uh, work night. but uh, It was Friday afternoon. It yeah, makes yeah. life a bit easier. Um. But no, that was uh, Foreigner, highly recommended. And like, honestly, you might as well check out Inner North. It's just down the road. Yeah, may as well um, walk in. It just, yeah, didn't impress us. No. And that is a shame. Indeed. Um, hopefully they pick up. Yeah, I'm definitely not against, you know. Always have bigger breweries a second chance. Oh, know. absolutely. It just was, yeah. Not a great Night and day, really, between the two... Going also from Foreigner, where we'd had a great time, mm. to there, which was just nothing. It was fine. I mean, we yeah, I guess it's sort of just like, sort of like just sitting there. Like, I feel like at Foreigner, we're just sitting out there having a pilsner and the sun, and we're like, shit, life is good. And then at Inner North, we're like having a bit of a chat, and it's just kind of like pretty much just waiting to leave kind of thing. <laughs> it's, and that's just not a great thing. And, um... At least the Korean barbecue afterwards was good. It was, and that, that, that saved it all. And we are back with what we're drinking. What are we drinking right now? We are drinking the uh, Revelation IPA, FKA Australian Psycho from Ballistic. Um, That's it. Nice. Punchy IPA? Yep, I'm impressed. Yep, always a good beer. Um, in terms of other stuff we've been drinking, I was in Korea for three and a half weeks. Um, country full of alcoholics, you would expect to find some decent breweries, and it is a young, burgeoning craft scene that is good. Yep. Um, it's sort of different. Um, the most interesting thing was that how much of an international presence there is. Like, there's, there was a sour pong dung, which was like a craft beer bar just for sour beer. Okay, that's um, cool. Yeah, I didn't actually go there. But um, there's also stuff like uh, 
you know, there's a few internationally known ones. There's Magpie in the booth, the big ones. There's uh, Mikula in Seoul. Um, Do they have a Brewdog? Maybe. Yeah. I actually, I'm not sure. I think it might be in Itaewon. Okay. Which is like basically yeah, Seoul, other yeah. side of Seoul, though. Um, and I don't know if I actually went there. Um, it was a big night when we went to Itaewon. Because <laughs> um, that's where Magpie and the booth are. There's like a little yeah. craft section there where oh, all cool. breweries kind of congregate because it's like the kind of westerner sort of place where yeah. all the soldiers used to live um, before they moved the army base in Seoul. Um, but basically, there's a big sort of brew pub culture. There's a lot of really small beers. Like uh, we went to quite a few craft bars, kind of like what you'd imagine. Imagine like we went sort of the Seoul equivalent of, I guess, like beer mash or something called cool. Seoul Gypsy. And they had four of their own beers on tap. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and they have like a little brewery out the back and some weird stuff. They had like a yogurt So IPA. sort of like Grain and Grape where they had their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's It sort of felt very much like a bar and it's just, oh, by the way, we have our own kind of, yeah. we, we brewed, we, like, brewed bits we have places. a yogurt IPA and stuff on tap because why not? Because um, we can. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Literally, that was about the answer I got. Um and so, yeah, the, some of the breweries I just want to shout out, um, like, Korea is great in general, but one of the great things about it is that alcohol is quite cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. And so craft alcohol is not prohibitively expensive, Yep. especially when you're buying Korean craft. So Amazing Brewing Company, which you had the Seoul Forest Hazy Pale from. Which was good. Yeah, they have a 330ml canning thing on site where they'll can on like demand. Like a crowler, but... Yeah, <laughs> which I think is awesome. Like the fact that you can can on demand, and it's not just their beers. Like they'll they would have canned, you know, the Lindemans and stuff on tap there That's if I cool. wanted. Yeah, um, and also I didn't actually go here because it's in Busan, but um, Wild Wave Brewing simply because they mostly do weird sours and like farmhouse IPAs, and they have one core beer, and it's a dry hop sour, and I can't not get behind that. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, and um, how was the English? Terrible. Yep. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time to order those takeaway cans. Uh, so, yeah, learn some Korean. Should probably mention that. Um, and also, you're expected to order food when oh, you go really? to a bar. Yeah, sort of going to a bar. It depends where it is, but generally going to a bar and just drinking is... Because the alcohol is quite cheap. Yeah. Um, food is fairly cheap too, but it's sort of generally thought of that you will have something to eat so like you order some snacks when you order beers basically or... yeah yeah and most places will give you free snacks and then a menu and then you'll order some more snacks yeah and it's basically just a way to keep everyone happy i suppose yeah. stop you from getting too hammered and... oh that's all all good <laughs> yeah no it's there's nothing wrong with that i mean like i think i said to you like we um went to a student bar um and they have like the korean barbecue thing sort of set up like little grills and like they just do hot pots on the table while you, this is a student bar as well. Like yeah. you're just drinking soju and Singtao and height and you know, all the other stuff that's from around the area. And you're also just cooking a hot pot and eating it, which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. I do love that it's height. Mm. Yeah. I, I was, I almost said heat again yeah. until I was corrected at a Korean barbecue restaurant when the one that Angus mentioned before. Um, I didn't actually drink it while I was over there. That's my excuse. Ah, yeah. Good. I only drank Cass when I was drinking garbage. So there we go. But yeah, Korea, thumbs up. Good beer scene. So if you're sort of a beer traveler, I would say like if you go to Tokyo or anywhere in Japan and, um, you know, it's just, it's pretty much on the way. 
Yep. So I would say, you know, honestly, spend a few days there. Korea is a really unique country and there is good beer there that you won't get anywhere else. And, um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. So, uh, Angus, a couple of beers you really liked recently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I had the Golden Spiral from Garage Project, mm. which is, I think it's 21 hops or something, something ridiculous. And it's like matches up to some orchestral Fibonacci yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um Bunch of Wank, but how is the beer? <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah. Like proper West Coast. Yeah. IPA. What we sort of all want. <laughs> yeah. As a breakout from nice this. Nice and clear. Sort of, yeah. As a yeah. breakout from this hazy world that we seem to live in. Big punchy. Yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one was a, a more local, perhaps slightly more hazy. Um, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, very hazy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, after I've said we want big and clear and stuff. Hey, look, we... if it's really good, we'll have anything. Exactly. So we go to probably the best Australian hazy I've had, which is the Mr. Banks. I think it's, it's I break. I like to break a mental sweat too. It's from a movie. I don't know which movie. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of their stuff is. Um, Mr. Banks are incredibly good with hops. Incredibly good with hops. Yeah. Um, but they've got. There's no astringency that we often see with Australian Nipahs. Or... Not too sweet like their Nipah, I assume. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, a little bit of bitterness. Nice. Yeah. It's great. That's really good to hear. Um, Can't recommend enough. And it's like 8.5% and you would have no idea. I did see a lot of like hype going around for it too. And honestly, Mr. Banks IPAs, their limited releases, they're, they're, that's what we should be getting excited about, to be honest. Yeah. Um, no no motors, no bolter, let's... Eight point eight percent. That's a that's a beefy beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't. You just have no idea. That's bigger than the um, Pyro Life Imperial Stout we have. Yeah. That we mentioned before the Lime Matters one. Yeah. Which is um. Wow. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah. And so we're going to try to do this regularly. Angus is doing Year of the Local, which is kind of a little feature. I say little feature, and by which I mean gigantic. Astronomical feature. Almost impossible undertaking, I think, is what we should be referring to yeah. it as. For when it inevitably doesn't get finished. No, oh, there is no we'll impossible. There is only work getting in the way. We'll get um, yeah. And so going around profiling every Victorian brewery. So every month was going to, during the section, is going to say, Give us a couple of highlights, and so give us a couple of highlights. <laughs> yep. Lovely. Um, well, Foreigner, which I've already talked about, that was obviously a highlight. Um, I went out to Hop Hen in Lilydale oh, yeah. in the first week after they opened, um, and they have a really interesting little range, um, including an English Dark Mild, which you just Ooh. never see. Yeah, that'd, that'd get me to go out there. Yeah, so 3.7 or 8%, beautiful little beer, it's kind perfectly of like, to style. Very much an, an us beer, like you know, how we would go to Foreign for a Pills, now we would go places for a Dark Mild. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I also popped out to Two Bays, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Which is all gluten-free. Celiac Society approved. Gluten-free brewers, as far as I know. Like, the yeah. main, well, at least one of them is a celiac. From He's the, the brother of... I'm going to get this wrong, which one's which. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's Steve Jeffers' brothers, who's the guy who owns the local tap house and runs... Oh, okay, and cool, all, cool. ...and stomping ground and all that. Pretty sure it's his brother. Two Bays Pale, just an aside, was one of the best pales I've had in a long time. It's good, isn't it? Gluten-free or not. Um, really interesting malt profile. 
nice You have a sip, you go, oh, this is a bit weird, and then you have another sip and you go, actually, this is quite good. Well, sort of, like, to me, it was, like, the first sip was, like, I like this. Like, yeah. it was sort of, I didn't even really have the, it was different, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I, it instantly resonated with me, and um, honestly, yeah, it's sort of, people asking me, like, what's a good pale, and, like, that's the one that's coming to mind recently, which is kind of impressive for a gluten-free thing. It's popping up around a lot as well. Yeah, well, I mean, as it should. I mean, gluten-free is getting bigger and they should not drink shit beer. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And that's the whole purpose. So I think when I went there, there were seven taps. Yeah. All gluten-free. That's awesome. But a range of styles. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, that's... It's good for us to, like, you know, as people who are not celiacs, uh, makes us want to go down and be like... Check it out. Even just ignoring gluten-free and went like, they have a good pail and they have seven taps. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Go and check it out. Um, and then I, Lizzie and I also did a quick trip, the first of what will inevitably be many trips this year around Victoria. It's be a big year. Mm, down to sort of, I guess you'd call it South Gippsland. Oh, yeah. Uh, famed South Gippsland. Yeah, to probably three not well-known breweries. Um, probably that, the best known is Locke. Yeah. Just sort of an English... I'd heard of them more for their spirit. Yeah, the yeah. gin and stuff that they do. The gin's quite popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, they do sort of English ales, um, hand pump, which is nice. Always like a hand pump. Yeah. Um, but we also went to Howler, which is in Lang Lang. Um, and they're making a really nice lager. Um, and an IPA that's very good. It's 5.6%, the IPA. What's wrong with it? But it was punchy. Hop Hog's and... 5.8%. Yeah, that's a pale ale. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote, that's a pale ale. <laughs> Crankshaft is 5.8. Yeah. There you go. There um, you go. And then the other one was Burra. Yes, B-R-I. Yeah, in Currumburra. Wonder where the name comes from. Oh, I know. You'd never know. <laughs> um, but they look like they spent a lot of money, and they were making some really nice beer. That's cool. Maple Porter. Yeah. Amarillo Single Hopped IPA. I would get behind that. Yeah, like it was stuff that you like. We had their pale the other night, probably after we should have, um, and that was good. No recollection. Good. Yeah, <laughs> literally no recollection. That says a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that sounds good. That sounds promising. That sounds like... So we're a little bit behind where we want to be in reviews, but I think after a big week next week, when I don't seem to have much on... Also, actually visiting a bunch of them is good. Like yeah. Like, a bunch, yeah. I mean, that's what, like... Seven? Five, seven, yeah. Seven, I think I've been to this year. Yeah. Plus that's... the ones that don't have tap rooms, obviously. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the main thing. Like, physically trying to go to the ones that you can physically go to is... I think it makes it makes the piece more legitimate... The idea is to give people an idea of what they're going to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the one thing I will say quickly, people have been asking about why we don't have opening hours or days or whatever on there, yeah. and it's purely because it changes so much. Yeah. Um, so I'll put the website on there um, so you can go just check out, you know, and not then call me and say, you said they're open on Thursday afternoons and they're not. You know, I've driven two hours and they're not open. Yeah. Um, don't drive two hours. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, no, it's um, a little anecdote for me is the reason I like something like this is um, I wanted to go to Nail in Western Australia. Oh, yep. Who make lovely beers. Yeah, great. Um, VPA. And they their brewery is... So Google is not very good at telling you when a brewery is a brewery and a brewery is a tap room. Uh, 
so I basically went to like this industrial fish packing area and I sort of walked up and I was like, oh, I was wondering where I could get a beer. And the lady looked really like sad for me. <laughs> She's like, this isn't our brewery, but it's the brewery. Like, you know, it's a production facility. Yeah. Tap room. Yeah. And that's, and then it all suddenly made sense. Yep. Although, you know, it probably wouldn't look out of place in a lot of the Melbourne breweries. No. In, in the back of Weird industrial, little industrial yeah. areas. Um, but yeah, no, so that kind of thing is good. I mean, we still, you know, that she kindly directed me to a place where I could go have one nearby yeah. and a lovely little time. But, um, it's just one of those things where you don't really always know. And like breweries mm. want to seem open in personality, not always in that we are actually open. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm still finding out about people are still emailing me with breweries that I didn't know existed. And that's kind of another exciting thing. It's just you personally, and also for me as a really big as osmosis. It's <laughs> yeah. Um, like I've had, I had what I thought was a pretty extensive list. I think five have been added that already existed. Yeah. Plus the hop end, which are the only one to open so far this year. Yeah, and then you've got other stuff like breweries that we already like. Uh, Tuesday night brewing. Yeah, and then we have got like Brew Cult who might be coming back, and who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's just an interesting future mountain that are opening any day. Yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that's going on. To... We're trying to keep on top of it. We'll see how we go. Yeah, well, I can certainly help you with the visiting part. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with what we're brewing. sound of beer hitting the glass that is because we are doing what we're brewing and it's more what we've brewed past tense um a while ago probably actually i think last podcast we did which was a while ago now we were sort of discussing we're doing a mango goza and we are this is our first taste of the completed version of said mango goza um so it ended up because i went to korea and christmas and blah 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 um we ended up sort of letting it sit for a while. We've actually fruited it twice. So we've used Kensington Pride mangoes and another type of mango that I can't remember the name of. So it's got two different lots of mango in it. Um, yeah, it's just sort of a a big gozer. It's 5.1%, which I guess you would call a big gozer. And there's a lot of mango in there. There is a lot of mango. Having a taste. And the mangoes come through. That's now. nice. Got rid of that sulfury thing. Yeah, it was like a sulfury chlorine. Which chlorine. is why we uh, did a second fruiting. Mm. Um, it's good. It's it's different flavour profile. It's cool, isn't it's it? Sort of wine-like things coming through. A bit of savoury. Good, good salinity. Yeah. Um, good mango, actually. Like Interesting, like multi-layered mango, which is kind of what we want. Not that just sickly sweet mango juice you yeah no, this is definitely like fresh mango on multiple levels it's almost like we have achieved what we wanted to that's a lovely little beer yeah i'm, I'm happy with this um so you know if, if you're listening and you're local we can don't mean to tease you we can give you a bottle just, just email angus and we'll let, sort that out yep um in all seriousness, we, we can do that. We're always looking for feedback. And, um, yeah. That's great. So the fruiting sort of process was, it was on there for a few weeks. And then we actually gave it, like, 
another few weeks before we fruited it again. Yeah, so we were hoping that sort of sulfury thing we had in our first taste would subside. Dissipate, yeah, and then just naturally, because that was in January. And then early. we just went, it's not going away. Let's, Let's fruit it again, give it some more time, because I have to go to, I have to go away for... Oh, well, exactly. Yeah. So we basically fruited it for the whole time you're in Korea. Mm. Um, and probably, what did we use? Probably eight kilos of mangoes all up for a 20 litre batch. Yeah, it was a lot in the end. But again, pits are heavy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we bought them ridiculously cheaply. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't really an expensive beer to make, even like compared to like our raspberry beers and stuff, it was probably... Oh, far cheaper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, double fruiting can help, and I think time probably just helps too. I, I feel that whatever that sulfury, chlorine thing was... was Colour-wise. <laughs> yeah, that's quite crazy, isn't it? Um, whatever that sulfury thing was, it was going to dissipate over time. Yeah. Um... Now you just got this nice, pretty uh, chilled tartness for our standards. Yeah. But quite salty. Do we yeah. know what our salt rate was? Was higher. Yeah. Um, we'll chuck it in the show notes. Yeah, I reckon probably 18 grams or so, and then yeah. a bit in the boil as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's a good balance. Oh, it's nice. It's like firm tartness, firm salinity, mostly mango. Yeah, I think the combination works really well. Yeah. Where the salinity is, where the tartness is, and where the fruit is. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's our double mango goza. The first time we've double fruited one, not the first time we made a goza, and won't be the last. No, definitely not. And um, yeah, very quick break, and we'll be back. And we are back. With the Desert Island six-pack and continuing on from the theme that we just sort of discussed, uh, we are going with Gozers. So we didn't really limit ourselves at all. This is uh, just Gozers. Just Gozers. So it can <laughs> yeah. have fruit. Not have fruit. Uh, look, it's listed as a Gozer and the idea is it's a Gozer then. Yeah. I think all of mine have fruit. I don't think I have a straight one. Yeah, mine do too, I think. Yeah. I'm not a massive straight Goza fan. Oh, there aren't many. No. Um, Sailor's Grave. Yeah. There's a few There's a few kicking around. I haven't seen that for a while. Is, does that still exist? I'm not sure. Because that was ostensibly in their core range. I think they're quite fond of it, so I think yeah. that it probably would, but maybe not in high quantities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would... Probably go a straight blender or a straight gozer. But anyway, um, so as it goes... We digress. Going to a desert island for whatever reason. Six beers. Trying to think of both our favourites and what you would drink regularly. So you kind of got a bit of both going on there. A bit of the factors that you want in terms of your favoured beers. Um, and yeah, uh, who wants to kick it off? I'm happy to kick off right. this time. You are welcome to kick it off. And Love again, it. as always, we will call out if we have a match. Yep. Excellent. Um, so when we picked Goza this afternoon, mm-hmm. the very first one that jumped into my head was the two old Santa goes fuck it all. And I also have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had that in the two old calendar or whatever they call their advent calendar. Yep. Um, and it's just superb. It's like tropical fruit. Yeah, passion fruit, guava, mango. Um, it's tart. It's not like bitingly tart, but it is tart. 
I remember it being more like it's just more fruit. fruity, yeah. And there's just a touch of salt at the back, like it's not overpowering. It's or... Just really nicely done. Yeah, um, it, it's a beautiful beer. Yeah, and like good fresh fruit characteristics and four percent. Yeah, that helps too. Yeah, you'd expect the most of these to be low, but uh... the highest one I have is four point two. I think. Yeah, I think that's probably the same for me. I actually don't know off the top of my head, but it would be around that mark. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with the the most formative one of the list, um, which was the one that the first, probably the first sour I had, at least being aware of what it was, mm. um, which is Anderson Valley's Blood Orange Goza. I don't have that one, but I have another one. Yeah. <laughs> I figure, you know, Anderson Valley are kind of, they're pretty much famous for that yep. kind of stuff. Um and the blood orange was it was a really interesting experience because I had no idea what to expect, and I sort of tried it and like a couple of sips, I'm like, I'm not sure about this, and then I kept drinking like this is actually delicious, like this is really not like anything I've had before. And that was kind of definitely the first sort of modern sour I'd had. I might have had you know something else in the past. That was the first one I went out and bought and kind of knew what I was expecting. Yeah, and um, yeah, Madison Valley made delicious gozers, so it's sort of a you know you can call it a, a group award, but that's yeah. So that's number two for me, though. Yeah, well, my number two. Yeah. Um, I'll go with my Anderson Valley. I went with Briny Melon. Mm. Um, no, and I love that, too. Like, yeah. And my basic theory was I need one of these Anderson Valley ones in. Mm. Um, and that's the one I preferred, I think. Mm. I just thought it was the most balanced of all of them, like between the fruit and the tartness and the salinity. I think, honestly, like I would probably... Drink that one, yeah, or maybe even the frambois. It was more just like the experience I have with the blood orange yeah. that kind of pushed it over because they're they're so good. All of well, them. it's all experiential, yeah. yeah. So, and yeah, all the ends valley, so awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of them. And um, yeah, watermelon and salt is a great combination. Exactly. <laughs> um, bit of a weirder one, actually, one that we've spoken about in the podcast. It was that uh, poima. Oh, the uh, Russian the green one. The Russian one. Yeah, I haven't really been able to get that out of my head since we had it in terms of, like, what a good sour is. I love the aniseed and the tartness it's and the salt. It's a cool little beer, isn't it? it yeah, and it would sort of, if it was insidious, it kind of, like, worked its way into me, like, went from being, like, oh, my God, it's green and weird, and then it's sort of, like, the more you have, it's, like, this really nice, and it's sort of been, like, I felt myself craving it, and it's um, one of those things where, like, in terms of the list... I was sort of like, this should get a mention there just because it's weird and it's really cool and it works so well yeah. despite being weird and stuff. It's not just weird for the sake of weird. I reckon that was on our first episode. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were, I, I feel like we liked it at the time. Yeah, we did. Um, but definitely, yeah, just one that sort of stuck with me and yeah, just wanted to give it a shout out. So that's three down for me. I'm sticking with, for my third one, mm. I'm going to go with a similar thing. This one has just stuck with me since I had it, which is the Prairie Flare. Yeah. Um, which was, I think they put orange in it. Okay. Um, and I just remember it being this perfect balance of tartness, um, salinity. Salinity is probably slightly on the higher side. Um, it was very effervescent. There was orange. And I'm pretty sure, from memory, it was coriander. Mm. Like, and it's just stuck with me. Like, I had this over three years ago. I looked it up yeah. today. Um, but that beer's just stuck with me as being this lovely example of a citrusy goza. I think sometimes, like, yeah, a little element can push it over the edge. Yeah. Because a lot of gozas are 
similar-ish, yep. broadly. And then, yeah, you have little, you know, extra effervescence and coriander can kind of... I can imagine that would lift it up and make everything brighter and help the citrus along and can see the, the idea behind it. Being yeah, it's, it's not a gozer that's sort of fallen into the background. It's one that's actually stuck at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, like, I think that's kind of what you want with yeah. like this, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with... Uh, for, Going from a few years ago, I'm going to go with Bianca Blueberry Lassie Goza by Omnipolo. I had that in my honourable mentions. Yeah, uh, so had this with you, and it's pretty much just a tart blueberry lassi, which is yeah. you know, the Indian yogurt drink, and it does it remarkably well. Delicious. Yeah. 3.5%. Yeah. You can't really go wrong. Omnipolo know how to do fruit. It's perfect, isn't it? Like, yeah. For what it is. It is what it is, basically. And also, really pretty label and bottle, I should say. Nice blue feather. And it's just a really nice looking bottle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to go with probably the inspiration for our Mango Goza. Yeah. The Hop Nation, the Punch. Yeah, and I had that too. Yeah. Um, I did a bit of research on this today. Apparently, in addition to mango, they've also added passion fruit in okay. the. Uh, in that the in oil. the canned version? Yeah. Yeah, so not in the original? No, no, in all of it. Okay. It's all got mango and passion fruit as fruit additions. Because I feel like the when I first had it, you know, as a crowler takeaway, I feel like it was um, way more mango-y, but like sort of less balanced than it is now. So yeah. I was wondering if maybe... If they'd changed it over time. Well, if they'd more. put passion fruit in now. Because now it's, yeah, now it's a more balanced and smashable beer, whereas it was just mango juice, basically. It used to be nuts. It was just, it used to taste, like that first time we had it at the brewery, it was just tart mango juice. Yeah. And um, it looked just like a glass of mango juice. Uh, now didn't. it's more of a beer. It, it's been great always, though. And how good is that beer when you're sitting in that brewery upstairs? Yeah, and it's hot. And it's mid-January and it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> It's the only thing you want to drink. Yeah, it, it's perfect for that. And I mean, it's a great example of how refreshing gozers can be. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it definitely deserves a shout-out because it's probably one of the more widely available ones, at least in Victoria now. I'd say so. Um, and it's, yeah, very good. So I think this is my last. Oh, okay. Already, because I've had two crossovers. Yeah. Nice and easy. Uh, it's Garage Project's White Mischief. Which I also have. Yeah, and that is just... Under 3%, incredibly, it's just, it doesn't really back down, tart, heaps of peach. Heaps of peach. Um, nice light salt, it's just smashable as an incredible amount of flavour for under 3%. It's tart, salty and peachy. Yeah. And like... 2.9% is clearly the reason. Yeah. This is big in all of them too, though, like it's just really got punch it's to punchy it. It's punchy. Yeah. Considering what it you is. You expect nothing less from Garage Project, but it's still impressive and, yeah. And on Desert Island, I couldn't not take have it. that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to have one of my first ever gozers, which was the Magic Rock Salty Kiss, mm. which was a collaboration with Kissmeyer. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've had the beer, but I don't know about the Kissmeyer thing. Uh, he was like the head brewer at Nora Bro or one of those Norwegian oh, yeah. ones for ages. Then he went out and started his own label, mm. um, and he did a heap of collaborations with Australian breweries. Five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool guy. I met him at an event. And so it's just a... What what sort of gozer is... 
this had gooseberry in it. Gooseberry mm. and gooseberry is just a the dominant flavour in this yeah. beer. But it also had a sea buckthorn, which is quite a common Norwegian oh, yeah. ingredient that they put in their gozers. Yeah, I guess it adds salinity with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um but that beer has so much fruit. There's like a good level of tartness and a, probably even a bigger salty finish than you. Yeah. Think. But it's one of the first sours I remember drinking quite a lot of. Like yeah. I remember having pints of it in a good beer week event. Um which says a lot for a gozer if you yeah, can sit yeah. there and have multiple pints, of it, pints I mean, of it. It's kind of like meant to be refreshing palate cleansing sort of. Exactly. Not always, but uh yeah. Do you have any honourable mentions? Um, oh, look, probably. I have a couple. Yeah, you, you can. Um, so I was going to give a shout out to the Stomping Ground Watermelon Smash. Yeah, those ones are the ones I was really sort of tossing up. I think the Guava is my favourite of those. Yeah, I'm not sure I've had Guava. It's good. Yeah. It tastes like Guava. They released <laughs> Passion Fruit last week. Yeah. Which will be cool. Uh, and then I'd also like to give a shout out to the Doctor's Orders Electrolyte because that was, I think, actually the first gozer I ever had. Yeah, and um, that is a good one. Uh, on a similar, I'm not, I can't remember if Doctor's Orders were involved, but a lot of breweries were the uh, the Black Rhino Cherry thing. Lips, yeah, yeah just the, the... Um, Hop Nation Exit. And Adelaide one, I want to say mismatch. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. That that's a good one. Sorry, if Black I got Rhino that wrong. Cherry Lips. I think it's called. I gave that award in an award in last year's Golden Pints. Yeah, and that's um, I'm pretty sure I would have given it, but I forgot about. It. The um, last one I'll shout out to is the one I had in Russia last year. Yeah, the Zagavor All Summer in a Day. Which, when I was looking today, is my highest rated Goza um, from the Untapped community. It's got a rating over four. Oh, for a Goza, that's yeah, yeah impressive. That doesn't happen very much. From a Russian Goza as well. Yeah. Like, and Cole and I was, um, got stuck in the rain in this bottle shop. Sort of a lot like Slow Beer, four taps, but it's a bottle shop. Yeah. Um, and so sat there and drank out the tap list. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> got nothing better to do. Well, that was it. I mean, I've I've got a couple more. I mean, you could really go with it because most most of these are quite good. But there's a couple that have a special place. Uh, the Deschutes smoked gozo. That was cool. Yeah, um, that was my thousandth untapped beer that we cracked that for, and I think that was um that was awesome. Yeah. Also, it's near nearly six percent, which is high for a gozo. Yeah, and it but it was really nicely balanced. The smokiness and the saltiness and tartness all kind of melded well pretty, together. Pretty sure Doctor's Orders did an electrolyte fort that was almost 9%. Oh, I'm was, sure you could do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was unnecessary, and I think there's a reason I didn't mention it beforehand. Yeah, no. Um, and I want to just mention Magpie's The Ghost, which I had in Seoul because it was like minus five degrees when I had it, and I still thought it was awesome, despite... Well, that's cool. I was in an outside bar. And drinking that, and I'm like, I'm pretty happy. I'm okay with this. This is good. And that was a straight grozer, actually. So, okay. worth mentioning. Uh, and that was nice. Well, yeah, the only straight one I'd mention would be the Anderson Valley one, Kimmy. Yeah, actually, I hate that beer. Really? Yeah, I really don't like it. Um, I, it's kind of funny, because I like Anderson Valley stuff so much. I, it's something about it really puts me off. Yeah. Um, it's kind of similar to Freshy. Yeah. I can't really drink it anymore. Yeah. Something about those ones, really, the straight ones, 
really uh, off-putting to me. And I don't know if it's just, yeah. I haven't had a German one. I was slightly surprised by that. German, like... Goza. Yeah. No, so I'm untapped. No German Gozas. It's one of those styles, I guess, that's been revitalised. Might need to go to Gosler and see yeah. what we can turn up. And just, uh, yeah. They're big in Leipzig. Leipzig, yeah. yeah Leipzig. I think that's just down the road from yeah, Gosler. Yeah, yeah. Um, any excuse. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, um, back over. I'll, top six. Uh, White Mischief from Garage Project. Santa Goza, Fuck It All by... Too Old, The Punch by Hop Nation, Bianca Blu-ray, Lassie Goza by Omnipolo, Anderson Valley, Blood Orange by Anderson Valley, and Poi Marbo. Red Button? Red Button. Yeah. Angus also had White Mischief and Santa Goza and The Punch. Yep. Yep. So your other three? Anderson Valley, Briny Melon. Yep. Prairie Flare. Yep. And Magic Rock slash Kiss My Salty Kiss. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's Goza's. So... If you have any suggestions for our next style, please let us know because we always struggle to think of it. Always. And if you want to hear something, we are happy to do it. Otherwise, we will be back momentarily with Nosticella and to finish up. He's uh, cracking it or attempting to. What do you got for us, Angus? Well, today... I feel like I can see a brewery logo. It is a brewery. Beer? We've got Autumn Maple. To be fair, most beers come from breweries. Need a rim shot in there. Um, so what is this Autumn Maple? It's big. Well, I think what it is. It's um, It's been sitting in my cellar for quite a long time. It's Any idea when you purchase this? I th- The circumstances surrounding the purchase, perhaps? I'm pretty sure I purchased this when the brewery stuff first came out here, which is, I'm going to say, a while November ago. <laughs> 2016. Yeah, I wouldn't know. That was a... Uh, I had a quick look at my other untapped check-ins, and that's where I think we're um, sitting. So this looks like a Belgian style or a brown ale. It is listed. I'll read you the little spiel on the bottle. It's a Belgian-style brown ale brewed with yams, molasses, maple syrup, and spices. Brett? Doesn't say so. Tastes like bread. Okie dokie. Um, so yam, molasses... I can get, I get yams. Um, yams, I assume, because we're talking about America. It's like sweet potato. It's sweet potato. Yeah. yeah. Not yam, the weird thing. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that, though. Yeah. I, I get a bit of that. There's definitely that kind of baked potato-y sort of thing going on. I get. I guess they're kind of going for a sweet potato casserole. I think so. Like that disgusting American thing. Thing that they that do. is gross, but would probably be nice in a beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, do you get bread? I get bread. No. No, I get that sort of Belgian bubblegum thing, but not bread. Like, I don't think it's bubblegum bread. I think it's just Belgian yeast, bubblegum, candy, yeah, I mean, candy it, sugar stuff. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I mean, I'm not definitively saying it is. I'm just... Uh, I also would have thought after three years-ish, it'd be more pronounced if it was bread. Yes, that's a good point. I guess it's the effervescence, too, that kind of uh, struck me as being bready. Didn't explode, either. No. 
You would expect the uh, lounge room to be painted yes. if it was Brett. Um, Could have had a nice brown ceiling. As an aside, I'm yeah. pretty sure this is the first thing I have ever had on Untapped that is a pumpkin beer. Oh, really? Yeah. I did go out of my way early in my Untapped career to get that badge. The Ameri- Any Americans listening, like, why? Why would you do that? They're disgusting. We're trying to escape these fucking things for months a year. Um... It is at least a yam beer, not a pumpkin pumpkin beer. That is true. <laughs> I'm I think that of... is pumpkin slash yam beers. Or yes, something. it is. It is. Um, the definition I am wondering is it just the brewer's intention? Is it a certain percentage should be the pumpkin or the yam of the fermentable sugars? Not sure. This is pretty sweet potatoy. I can tell you the uh, amount of sweet potato in this beer as well. Um, it is seventeen pounds of. Yam per barrel. Oh, per barrel. Okay, so that's quite a bit. I'm not 100% sure. Depends on the size of the barrel. barrel. No, I think a barrel's a measurement in the US. Oh. Um, bit of Google food, might have. Either way, um, so it's like, what, like nine kilos-ish, maybe a bit less. So, uh, yeah, close enough to half. It, divided by 2.2. Um, so a barrel in the US is a hundred and seventeen liters. Okay, so it's so like that eighty grams ish per liter. Uh, yeah, in that ballpark. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it's definitely tasteable. You can taste I, it. It definitely provides sort of a sweetness, um, and that distinct flavor. It's like this kind of nice baked potato thing, and that might be yeah. the maple going on too, or the molasses. And um, sorry, it was molasses and uh, maple syrup and spices. Okay, cool. So yeah, there was maple, and I do have the spices because I looked this up earlier. Um, the spices is cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, vanilla, and the aforementioned molasses and maple syrup. Okay. Um, we haven't seen that. It's definitely an American combination. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I sort of, you look at that and you go, apple pie, pumpkin pie, Pumpkin pie, yeah, which is not really something I've had a lot of. How um, climate doesn't really suit Just looking it. at autumn seasonal in BJCP. Yep. Um, so spices are required. Well, we have spices. I yeah. can take. I can say I can taste all spice. I'm not going to claim any of the others. I don't think. Maybe nutmeg. Nutmeg. Yeah. Yeah. That that adds that baked potato thing. I think. Uh, the cinnamon is actually there. I think right at the front. Flavorful adjuncts are often used and encouraged. Maple syrup. Yep. Molasses, invert sugar, brown sugar, honey, maple syrup, etc. Squash yep. type or gourd type vegetables most frequently. Pumpkin are often used, and you know. Obviously, yams are included in that. We can taste those. And it just says ABV is generally above 5%. That's all I really have to say about ABV. And this is definitely above 5. I think it's 10 flat. You'd think it'd be on the label. There it is. 10 flat. You are correct. Um, Amber copper in colour, yes. Yep. I'd say it's a little murkier and a little darker than that, but yep. Had a bit of time, so um, we yeah, say a couple years on it. Um, overall balance is the key to presenting a well-made autumn seasonal wolf beer. Well, I'd sit here and argue that this is well-balanced. Like, none of the flavours are dominant. Yeah. 
Um, Flavour-wise, many interpretations are possible. Allow for brewer creativity as long as the resulting product is balanced and provides some spice and optionally sugar and vegetable presentation. We get all of those. There's, yeah. There's so sugar, BJCB, it's good. And I think on a personal level. So look, I, uh, I like it. It's really cool. I don't know if I would buy it myself, but I can sort of get any rush of brewery stuff. Like it's just, um, I think I bought like a pack to get all of them. Yeah. I think the only way to get, um, get them initially at the start, I think you had to buy all six to get them. Jeez. Yeah. It was an expensive yeah. endeavor. Um, I think it's, it's really cool. It's just Belgian style stuff's tricky because there are clear sort of leaders and you have to try other stuff like, Holgate's Basil Bub. Yeah. Uh, you have to try them to know if they'll match up or even be better. Uh, and this is obviously like, it's interesting because it's, it's in a very American style and a very Belgian tasting beer. Um, and I really respect that they've gone for this kind of, look, I would almost say this is like a, a triple or a quad with the yams. And it's stuff. close it's, to a quad with sort of yams. Yeah. It's yeah. like a spice quad. Yeah. yeah. It, and I really find that fascinating. Um, not super duper my type of beer, but I am inclined to give it a thumbs up because it is really good. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Yeah. I don't think... I don't know if more time would help. And it's definitely not a thumbs down. What are you gaining from more time? I would say nothing. Like uh, any of mellow these... a bit? Does it need to mellow that? Not really. No, yeah, exactly. I feel it's like in a good place. Um, nothing's overpowering anything. It's really well balanced. Um... No booze. Something I'd drink in a 330ml bottle. <laughs> Is this 750? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's... But that's that's the whole... That's kind of the brewery. That's why we're here as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, you'd be like, you know, girlfriend asking to come to bed and like, just, I'm just going to quickly polish off this 750ml pumpkin yam beer. 10% yam hybrid. beer. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Um, if we had more of a connection to Thanksgiving, perhaps we would be more enthusiastic. These spices, I find them very intriguing. Uh, I don't necessarily... They work for me on like a... As a combination, but not... I eat I, food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't have like an affinity to it the way... I think that's it. It's not necessarily the kind of uh, elevation from the nostalgia that you might get. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if someone made like a fairy bread wheat beer, maybe we would get more behind it. But... um. That sort of inspired me to try and make pumpkin pie, though. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that. I'm like, I haven't had pumpkin in a while. I'm yeah. pumpkin, and I would have a pumpkin pie. I mean, I do I do like a pumpkin pasty. Um, Nothing wrong with pumpkin. No, pumpkin's great. Um, sweet pumpkin, I'm all for it. And yeah. also, sweet... Like, I think sweet potato casserole is gross, um, but sweet potato sweet stuff can work. Sweet potato and a curry's good. Yes, very good. Um... It's really great in like a super spicy curry, like where you have that sweetness and like with a bit of coconut milk to cut through. Like, I made I made like a lentil shepherd's pie the other day with sweet potato. Yeah, and the, yeah, like, yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, one, my my girlfriend hates sweet potato, and it's a really tough argument. I'm just like, you know, like she, even sweet potato fries and stuff, which I'm a big fan of. Um, because I'm not a massive uh, normal potato guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of strange, but um 
I love like. I think it's particularly strange to like sweet potato and not like normal. Potato. No, no, I do like normal potatoes. I just think they're horribly overrated. Um, yeah, like normal potatoes and bacon are my two most overrated foods in the world. Yeah, you'd, like you prefer to have sweet potato than normal potato. Like, yeah, because it's more flavour and bit of sweet potato and salami or something. You know, like I just think there's better things out there. That's exactly. all I'm saying. Um, but I think this captures the essence of a good baked sweet potato, which mm. is pretty cool. And it's, yeah, kind of like if you baked your sweet potato in a quad. Which is something. Which seems like a really good idea now that you mentioned <laughs> Um I'm just trying to think what the Australian equivalent of like an autumn seasonal would be. Just hatred. Surely it's a, just a brown ale. Just Yeah, we're not very exciting in that regard, are we? Not, not autumn beers. Maybe the smell of like... Uh, Linolin, whatever that stuff's called, uh, lanolin. This the uh, the stuff you put on in footy change rooms. Um, deep heat. Yeah, but it's got like a yeah, the yeah. actual chem like without not deep heat. They don't put it on you, and they put the oil on you. Like yeah, lanolin. Yeah, lanolin. lanolin. Yeah, I think, yeah. A nice lanolin IPA. <laughs> that's it's the smell. Particularly of, appealing. That's the smell of autumn though in Australia. Early footy. Maybe season. a bit of uh, maybe a bit of wax for your cricket bat. <laughs> Early season uh, hamstring issues. Yeah. <laughs> the smell of um, Nurofen Plus. <laughs> Desperation. Yeah. <laughs> the, the smell of the disappointment of your girlfriend because you're going to play cricket instead of hanging out with her. And she knows you'll be gone for eight hours. Because even if you lose, you and still And come back go disappointed. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Just rambling at this point. So, I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah. Tell us if we're good. Um, <laughs> and you can As tell you him uh, yeah. gus.norris7 at gmail.com. Is that correct? That's it. I finally got it. It's only taken me... Yep. We're up to date on email replies. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and um, we will be up to date on podcasts soon. Hopefully. This is going to be March, so we've got, you know, no excuse. Got over a month. That's it. Thanks for listening as always and any questions or comments please direct them to Angus because I don't really have the capacity to answer them. Um, We would love to do another sort of deep dive into even an international beer. We'd love to sort of do like our hop hog and those kind of segments. We'd love to dive into another one of those. Just Just let us know. Yeah, please let us know if anything jumps to mind. We'll try to think of one. Even Um, if you've got a favourite beer, we'll just do that. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's got something behind it that we can get behind. Uh, sort of think along the flagship February lines, I suppose. Yes. That's topical. That, that was kind of what I was hoping to do in terms of flagship stuff. I mean, we are sort of proponents of getting behind flagship stuff. I mean... We very briefly had a core range segment on Beer O'Clock Australia. Yeah, and I would, I would sort of like love to do something like any sort of formative thing. It doesn't have to be particularly formative, just... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anything up to three ravens juicy, I would consider formative, like in <laughs> terms of like the level of importance it has to have. Yeah. Because um, it can be formative for a style, not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Nipahs are here to stay. Just no brood IPAs because they're Thank- gone. Thankfully, they're dying. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for tuning back in, and we will be back in as well soon. And it has been great having you.